0: Welcome, all you Plus Two Comedy Modifiers, to another episode of the Plus Two Comedy Podcast. And before we get to our very special episode with Chris Gore, I gotta tell you about some upcoming shows very quickly. We are returning to Oticon at the Walter E. Washington Convention Center. That's gonna be August 10th through the 12th for a brand new version of Beyond the Tentacle. So please come out to Oticon. For more information, go to Oticon.com. We're also going to be heading back to the Hilton Alexandria Mark Center for MagLabs. MagLabs runs September 7th through the 9th. We'll be there doing stand-up comedy, doing a brand new version of Game the Gamer, our new game show, and uh, some other things that have not been announced yet. So unannounced that I don't even know what they are. So please come check us out at MagLabs in Virginia. For more information, go to labs.magfest.org. We're also happy to be heading to J1Con. J1Con is at the Showboat Hotel, no longer a casino, in Atlantic City, New Jersey on September 14th, 15th, and the 16th. Be sure to be there Sunday for Cosplay Pro Wrestling. Yeah, that's right. Giovanni returns along with Princess Peach and the rest of the gang for some Cosplay Pro Wrestling. And finally, we are heading back to GameCon. con is also in Atlantic City. It's at the Ocean Resort Casino in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and it runs from October nineteenth through the twenty-first. So come see us at GameCon. For more information, go to gameacon.com. So this is a very special episode of the Plus Two Comedy Podcast, especially since, like a necromancer, I brought back the Plus Two Comedy Podcast. Yes, the Plus Two Comedy Podcast will always remain in some form whenever I get the chance to interview someone especially special. And this is a very special person to me because he comes from G4, the channel that inspired me to do many of the things that i do here on this podcast and in all of my endeavors and he has a brand new documentary kickstarter for attack of the doc a documentary on attack of the show and i reached out to chris because i'd been a fan of his for a very long time and he was nice enough uh, to give me a call so this is our phone call now This was recorded over the phone, so the quality is going to sound a little bit different than it usually does here on the Plus Two Comedy Podcast, but it is still a fantastic time with Chris Gore. He's a fantastic individual, and uh, you're greatly going to enjoy this. So uh, without any further ado, take it away, Kirby Crackle.
1: So thanks so much for coming on, Chris. Uh, Now, we have a a tradition here on the Plus Two Comedy Podcast. I know you don't have a lot of time, but i got to play a quick game with you, if that's okay. Let's hear it. Okay, so we play a game called Known For here on Plus Two Comedy, where we go on IMDb, and we look up the four things IMDb thinks an actor is most known for. Basically, if you don't know this person, these would be the four things you would think. And. uh, right. This is based on nothing. It never seems to make any sense. So I have to ask you, according to IMDb, what are the four things Chris Gore is most known for?
2: Oh, wow. Um, Gosh, I guess I would say Film Threat might be on there. Okay. Um, Attack of the Show. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Um. Boy, uh, the new movie show, the new movie show was a show on FX and then, um, Self, which makes no sense because I've been in like 15 documentaries and it's always Chris Gore dot 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 self.
1: Well, well which documentary do you think they'll pull up?
2: Fluffy comes a lot. <laughs> That's a, um, that's a documentary that I somehow – I'm in it for, like, 20 seconds. And it's a documentary about porn star names. Okay. So, yeah, it's bizarre. I know. Uh
1: Well, apparently you don't know yourself very well. Uh, because oh, no.
2: What, what am I known for? This is weird. See, now I want to know. And I use IMDb all the time. So the just, four things you
1: are best known for are my big, fat, independent movie, which I'm a okay. big fan of. Oh, uh,
2: thanks. Festival pass? Yes, that was a show I did on Stars for for a minute. Wow.
1: Okay, that's cool. Uh, the People versus George Lucas?
2: Yes, that's, that's another documentary where I am credited as self.
1: You're you're actually credited as Nerd Liberty.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'll take it. That's cool.
1: And finally, Attack of the Show, which is what we want to talk about uh today. You have a new Kickstarter that's just started where you're trying to make a documentary about Attack of the Show. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Well, real simply, like I've been going to comic conventions since oh God, since I was a little kid. They weren't even called Comic Cons then. It was like they would have the Detroit Auto Show. I grew up in Detroit. You know, the auto show, and then Adam West and Burt Ward and Leonard Nimoy were signing autographs, and there was a room with comic books, and then another room where they were projecting 16-millimeter prints of episodes of Star Trek and Doctor Who. (laughs) Not a joke. That was a comic convention in the 70s when I grew up, right? Right. So it was bizarre. I'm a little kid going to these things. I love nerd stuff, like watch episodes of Star Trek with my dad growing up, and That was what a Comic-Con was, but but now Comic-Cons have just exploded, so Mm -hmm. I was going to Comic-Cons way before I even came to Attack of the Show, and um, since the show was canceled and the network, you know, died, um, it's been five years since Attack of the Show went off the air, and I still get this question, what happened to Attack of the Show? What happened at G4? Now. As you can tell from my vast credits on IMDb, <laughs> I've done a lot of different things, you know, movies, other TV shows, like, uh, you know, the Festival Pass you brought up and, and a couple others. Like, no one comes up and asks me about those shows, but they always ask me about Attack of the Show, always. And I realized, you know, like, and I'm the guy that is was still, was still going to these conventions just because that's what I did before. You know, I was mm-hmm. a fan. So, and it really it just, it just struck me like this show really meant a lot to a lot of people and it left a void. And I think it's a void that we need now more than ever, because what was great about attack of the show was attack of the show took the craziest thing that happened on the internet that day and had a civil debate about it. And hmm. civil debate is something that has been lost on the internet. It's now something that we don't know how to do. And I feel through attack in the show, that was a way that the biggest thing on the Internet would end up being the thing that was discussed and discussed in a way where the actual people who were, you know, part of the controversy, whatever that is, I mean, the latest one is James Gunn firing from Disney, um, that would be discussed in a civil way. Now we've, right. we're so opposed, you know, whether it's politically, whether it's The Last Jedi, Whatever it is, we've lost the ability to talk to each other, and I feel like Attack of the Show taught us how to do that. In addition, a lot of the people, it was sort of a magical moment in TV. I'm talking about the Kevin and Olivia era, and I came to the show when it was called Screensavers. I was on three episodes of the Screensavers, and was told, hey, you know, we're anybody, it's going to be called Attack of the Show, and I thought it was the stupidest name I ever heard. I thought it was terrible, but <laughs> But then, you know, it grew into something, you know, when it finally got to the Kevin and Olivia era, it was just like, I mean, it just, it was a moment, not only in TV, but also in, um, it was a moment technologically where we were beginning, the beginnings of things, you know, Twitter started in 2007. I didn't even sign up for it until 2009. Mm-hmm. We were learning how, how to, how to use these things, whether it was devices, new, new and exciting devices or, how to even use some of these apps, right? We take them right. all for granted now, but this was all fresh and new after the show was around. So I feel because the people have an affection for that era, they also have an affection for the show and the people, but the documentary is going to be about the ideas that the show espoused and told through, through the writers, producers, um, the talent, um, and eventually, uh the the Kevin or Olivia themselves. Right. Um so so this is this is my plan is to do if you contribute to the Kickstarter, you look up Attack of the Doc on Kickstarter, you'll get access to everything. So we're we're gonna do a podcast where I'm going to film the podcast on video and then record interviews with everyone who had anything to do with the show over the course of a year and then take that footage edited into the documentary, as well as collecting old footage.
3: Okay. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm
1: super excited for this, and uh, I was looking over the rewards, and uh, you said that the top tier is uh, you basically get everything, you get a patch, you get a podcast, and you get to go to a premiere party?
2: Yeah, there's going to be a screening. It's going to be a screening for backers only. So it's a backers-only screening. It'll be in Los Angeles. Although, um, fingers crossed, if we get into a couple film festivals, it'll it'll open across the country. And if you're a contributor to the Kickstarter, you'll get to see it at a film festival. So, you know, if you live on the East Coast, uh, as you do, uh, yes, you know, you'll you'll be able to see it in that form. So, um, I, so this is project's to gonna, gonna go pretty quick from the standpoint of. Um, the podcast being a central element of that. Right. So, so, but yeah, there are new rewards that are rolling out. I don't want to say what they are at the moment, but really we kick off the campaign tomorrow with 30 days left. There will be uh, about twice as many more new rewards that are rolled out. And they're really unique. And then we're going to be adding rewards as we go. If you can change your reward, Kickstarter does allow you to, Mm -hmm. change it so as you see we roll stuff out you can kind of go you can grab something else the only physical reward we're giving away is a collectible patch okay other than that everything is like their digital rewards so a copy of the movie with special extras an Mm -hmm. invite to a screening um uh you know basically the access to the podcast but the only way to get access to the podcast is to actually contribute to the campaign, and the podcast will be, I mean, I'm going to be interviewing everyone, you know, including, like, a lot of the producers actually played characters on the show. Right. So, yeah, like, uh, a guy named Casey Shriner played Office Jesus, Mm -hmm. and um, another guy named Mike Shaw was Batman, and so there are a lot of these characters that popped up, you know, throughout the show. There's another character named Fetish. Oh, yeah, Boba Fett, I
1: sure remember him.
2: Look, okay, I can confirm for you, because I was at Dragon Con last year in Atlanta. Okay. I was walking around dressed as Boba Fett. (laughs) This is five years after the show is canceled, someone is dressing as an obscure character from the back of the show. (laughs) It's crazy. So, yeah, and and I get the question, whatever happened to the show, and when is there going to be a reunion? And I'm right. hoping that this this movie act trumps some type of reunion, but really, you know, it's it's there's just so much interest, and the story was never told. I feel like the rug was pulled out from under the show, and even though there was a last show, it didn't answer anything. It was done in a jokey way. Mm-hmm. There wasn't really a serious what happened to the show, and that's what, that people really want to know that. It's, yeah, um, you know, <clears throat> and especially in an age when we're so oversaturated with like, well, what's happening with Kevin Feige over at uh, Marvel, and well, Kathleen Kennedy in the Star Wars movies. We hear that the Solo Part Two stories, like people want to know the business side of things and what happened. was never an answer that was given. A satisfactory answer was never given. So that's something that I now mean, I'll be talking to um, executives who work there at the time to get the real the real answer. That's that's great because I've
1: really wonder this because G4 is something that's very important to me personally because I watched it a lot when I was in college and then basically I made it my life goal to end up at G4 and by the time I got out of college that didn't exist anymore as a a channel but that didn't stop me. I still kept on this weird (gasps) path of nerdiness (laughs) so uh, I don't have an end goal anymore but if it wasn't for G4, uh, I definitely wouldn't be where I currently am in life. So it is great to hear that this story is finally going to be told.
2: Well, here's what you stumbled on. That's the theme of the documentary, that oh. with the void of G4, the void of G4, that inspired a generation to post their own shows on YouTube, to create their own podcasts, it, it, it spawned creativity, mm-hmm. so that was the exciting thing with that void. It actually was like this this wellspring now of people that were like, "Hey, I could host my own show." And the truth is that they can. You don't need you don't need very much special training to to host a television show. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what was interesting about attacking the show is Kevin Pereira started out as a PA on a show called Arena, and yep. then they said, "Well, hey, you you should be in front of the camera." I mean, Morgan Webb on X-Play was, she was an, like an intern who, you know, moderated the chat and someone said, hey, why don't you just be on, from, be in front of the camera? Many of the people who appeared in front of the camera on the show, like, had expertise, which a lot of times in television, you'd be surprised, but people actually, uh, in front of the camera don't know what they're talking about. They're just well produced. To yeah. say the right words in the right order, but the, the people on on a pack of the show were they were legit experts in their in their field, so so um, that was cool. It was exciting, and then they kind of learned how to do TV while doing TV. And I feel that this whole generation of kids with YouTube shows right filled a void by doing it themselves, and that's that's a running theme that will be in the documentary will be how much creativity was inspired by uh, attack of the show so um and one of the rewards one of the stretch goals um that i have if we actually reach our initial goal and we'll i'll be adding a stretch goal and one of the stretch goals is going to be to release all of the footage used to make the documentary to the contributors of the campaign so they could go and make their own documentary
3: <laughs> and,
2: And I've never, ever heard of anyone doing that. So if we reach a certain stretch goal, all of the footage is just going to be released online. You can just go to it, download it, and then make your own documentary. (laughs) Make my own slander piece? With your own, yeah. Now, this will be after the initial doc comes out, but I'm using footage – I mean, I, I, and I also feel like I should say, you know, why me? Why am I the one telling this story? And I, and I, and I, for, for two reasons. One, I mean, I was on the show for almost eight years. Um, yeah. you know, I was on three episodes of the screensavers and it turned to attack the show and I was there until the very end. Additionally, I was a fan of the show. So I was a fan who was on the show. So like, I, I would go in, you know, a couple of days a week. I would do my DVD, DVD Tuesday. I would do maybe some other movie segment. Sometimes they'd send me off to South West or some film junket. And when I was there, I was fortunate enough that I didn't have so much responsibility, that I couldn't take the time to, like, shoot video with my Moto Q, mm-hmm. or, you know, which was the, you know, phone cell phone I had when I – I think I also had a Razor at some point. But that was the cell phone I had. When I first started working at Attack of the Show, I had a Moto Q. You know, it wasn't until later that I got an iPhone, you know, like, right. You think of these things as so, they're just, they're just around, but, you know, you know, I, I have thousands of photos that I've shot, candid photos, videos that I shot. I know other people who worked on the show took photos and videos. There's so, there's so much material out there to draw from. But I'm going to put it in a central place to make this documentary, and I feel very passionately about it because uh, I, I feel the story needs to be told. I feel like it's an era that, especially with what's happening now on online, where the, the level of discourse has just become outright dangerous. Yeah. And we need to remember how we got here. And how we got here was we didn't have these devices. These devices evolved. These apps evolved and then we evolved with it. And maybe we, we need a course correction and we need a reminder of what things were like before that. And as things were changing, and, and the talk of the show was that moment, it was that like seven and three quarter years. That's how long it was on. Um, it was almost eight years shy by a few months. Um, we need to remember like what that was like. Um, and it's yeah. been you know five years now, more than five years since the show's been off the air. It's time to tell this story, to tell the real story from the people that were there, and then also as a tribute to the fans. Yeah. Which
1: it sounds so amazing, and one thing I will say well, about no, the show, well, I
2: hope you say that. I hope you say that in your review. But it sounds so amazing. I mean, it sounds amazing what I'm saying, but I know. I know what it's like to put together a big project like this. So yeah. This is uh, gonna be uh, you know, the next year and a half of my life is dedicated to this. Um <laughs> assuming assuming we make the Kickstarter, it's an ambitious yes. goal. But but I'll say this like knowing like what it will cost I and mean, you all that's really paying for is the next year of doing the podcast, shooting it all on video, archiving everything, and then additionally, you know, uh archiving all the extra material that will come in and cutting together a loose rough cut of a doc. There's a whole other layer. I mean, most documentaries cost about a half million dollars. So I'm not mm-hmm. trying to get that. I'm just trying to get the bare minimum I need to, you know, hire three, four other people to work with me the next, you know, year doing this video podcast, which you can listen to if you contribute to the campaign mm-hmm. You just look up Attack of the Doc on Kickstarter.
1: Yeah. When I saw that you were asking for $100,000, my first thought was, that's not enough. <laughs> I can't believe <laughs> well, we're going to try to do it with $100,000. Know,
2: well, people think that that's, you know, in this world, that that's, you know, in this world, that's not a lot of money, but it's enough for me to um, spend 52 weeks doing 52 episodes of the podcast, which is 52 hours of footage to cut. Right. Um, that's I mean most, most documentaries are cut it's hundred hours of footage. I assume that the, the other hundred hours or other fifty hours is just gonna come from stuff that we collect, but that all has to be organized, tagged, put in buckets, you know, like with all these folders filled with uh, you know, uh candid video footage. Um, you know, I wanna put um Olivia Munn's audition tape on there rare things just all in one place when you see it also I want to screen this at a convention I would love to screen it at San Diego Comic-Con right I think would be a fun place to to screen it um but I know it's going to be at least a year and a half before I have a cut that I would be willing to show people that the fans are going to be along for the ride like and the thing is, cause I know that I know how these docs work. You know, I get interviewed in a documentary for 30 minutes and I'm in the doc for 40 seconds, right? Like, right. but that's part of the course. That's just, that's just how these things work. But I think doing it in the form of a podcast, because I do interviews, if you listen to the film threat podcast, I mean, God, we interviewed Steve Jessica from um unfriended dark web. Uh I'm interviewing Bo Burnham on Monday um, from the film Eighth Eighth Blade. Um the I mean, the Film Threat podcast is we get together and talk about movies or we interview a director and um if you just I mean, go to iTunes and mm-hmm. sign up, you know, subscribe to Film Threat, you'll you'll see.
1: Yes. Or you argue about the last Jedi, which I greatly
3: enjoy. Yes,
2: yeah, so well that 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 dropped today. We um mm-hmm. At San Diego Comic Con, we did a thing called the last, last Jedi debate. Where yes. we, where we had, you know, super fans, myself included. Um, you hate it, you love it, you're on one side of the room or the other. And I asked about nine or 10 questions and it was a debate, a debate that actually like, you know, went into the street at the end yeah. like we just kept the debate going unfortunately the audio from that was so bad we just decided not to use it right? uh, I was wondering but what that, happened to it yeah but but um yeah that's up now I mean you can you can listen to that podcast so um I mean it was it was under a cloud unfortunately I mean all of San Diego Comic Con was because a good friend of mine John Schmidt, passed away right before um Comic Con took place and I've been friends with that guy for almost 25 years we had yeah. a film festival in the 90s you know? Wow. um, Which was weird. But, uh, yes, yes, before you were born. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so, 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 um, it was just, uh, it was a somber affair, but I, I, I feel that my goal with that was, again, civil debate. I really feel like if a show, like Attack of the Show was around now, Ryan Johnson would be on the show, and fans who dislike, um, uh, Last Jedi would, would have a voice and be heard, but the the toxic, the 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 racism, the sexism. There's just no place for that. I, I never, so well, I never considered that I was even a part of fandom. Like, yeah, I grew up with Star Trek, man. The <laughs> very crew were all like, all on the same team, you know. I, I feel like we've de- defined ourselves and divided ourselves into categories that are unnecessary. Yeah, you know, we're Earthlings.
1: We're yeah, we're humans. One of the, the latest jokes I've been doing on stage is uh, I've been bullied by this group of people for liking Star Wars. Have you heard of Star Wars fans? Because it's yeah, just becomes it just become so toxic. And when I listened to yeah. that episode, I was, yeah. like, worried. But by the end of it, I was like,
2: things were accomplished. <laughs> like, yeah, I actually I, heard I, opinions. I like, yeah, there was, there was understanding. I mean, like, I get, like, my friend J.C. Reifenberg, who was on the anti- uh T L J side. He um he really articulated his argument. I respect his argument. I also feel that like when the ninth movie comes out, um a lot of things are gonna be fixed. Mm-hmm. A lot of things are gonna be fixed. Um and I feel like I figured out what's gonna happen in episode nine. Ooh. I feel like I I figured it out. Okay. I feel like I don't like well, I figured about a few things and when a friend of mine had a theory, I could like, it, it, it's like if you combine it, it's like, oh, like, I know what's happening with Episode 9. In fact, I feel so strongly about it. I'm actually able to do a YouTube video and post it. Because okay. I feel like, feel like I need to plant a flag and say, I'm saying this right now. And <laughs> I'm predicting what's going to happen in Episode 9 because it really left open-ended, right? Like, right. Like, okay, the Rebels are down to, the Resistance is down to one ship and, like, 40 people, right? Yeah. They're, they're nothing and then you've got like like um you know the first order is well they're strong as ever but there's but there's something in the wind um uh with resistance there the the galaxy has been inspired by luke Skywalkers standing up to um the first order and right that has created something so I feel like I figured out exactly what's gonna happen in episode nine so if you Go to the Film Threat YouTube channel in the next week. Look for my Episode 9 prediction video.
1: Okay. I will definitely be checking that out because I I think a lot of people have a problem with that movie. Don't realize that it's the second movie of a trilogy. Like it's the bridge to something.
2: Right. and I Okay, I'm old enough to remember I saw The Emperor Strikes Back in the theater Mm -hmm. when I was a kid, and people were mad. I bet angry. They were I remember a guy stood up and said, That's it? Ooh, and, <laughs> and oohed, the Empire Strikes. Back. <laughs> okay, so and now we affectionately look back on the Empire Strikes Back mm. as the best film in the trilogy. Right. And and right? Because it's the middle film. I don't know that we'll say that necessarily about Last Jedi, but I think it's the most radical and my favorite Star Wars movie since the Empire Strikes Back it's so flipped everything right uh, it just it just it just flipped the table on everything I mean look it's not a perfect film you know that uh, I, I prefer the casino scenes from the original Battlestar Galactica than I do uh The Last Jedi but that's I mean that's quibbling that's like yeah you know nitpicking it's whatever you know um so, yeah, like, we'll see. But I remember people hated The Empire Strikes Back. And if you go back and read reviews at the time, people were confused. Wait, this is episode five. It's the middle film of a nine-part saga. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But, um yeah, the, episode nine, I think, is not only going to fix stuff, it's going to blow people's minds because everything in this theory I have is supported by everything you've already seen, Everything that's going to happen is right in front of our face and we're just not noticing it.
3: Ooh, okay. Now,
1: now I'm very intrigued.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I'm excited to just present this theory. My fear is it could be so dead on that it could, it could make them change what's going to (laughs) happen in some way. Which would be really disappointing because I think, I think everyone who's heard this is like, holy shit. Um, oh, shoot. I don't know if I can swear in your podcast.
3: That's okay. Um, I have editing equipment.
2: Believe it. Believe me. <laughs> um, but anyways, I'm sorry. How do we get, see, this is a typical conversation with me, my friends. You know, like, like you know, it starts out, you start talking about, you know, something else, and then it, it eventually goes power war. Yeah. How does this always happen?
1: So, See, well, this is also, like, the feel of attack of the show. Like, a lot of times it didn't feel like I'm watching a program. It was, I'm hanging out with buds, and we're talking
2: nerd stuff. You you could not be more right, and I'll tell you why. You could not be more right because every time I would go there, i get there early. i get there early because I had to do makeup. It's weird. I, <laughs> I think I still have the makeup bag that um, they would send me off to when I would do field reporting. Anyways, so – I'd show up early and everyone who worked on that show was a super nerd. Every single person. It wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, I'm just a general producer. I don't care about nerd stuff. No. Everyone there cared, cared deeply about nerds at anything, whether it's DC, Marvel, whatever. So you'd go in and it'd be like, dude, the new, the, the the dark night rises trailer. That new trailer just dropped. Dude. Dude, have you seen it? And then it would be a whole discussion, and it was like it was like a series of impromptu podcasts, being being like things being discussed. Like mm-hmm. I, and some of the some of the best nerd conversations I ever had with people that I worked with on the show.
3: Yeah,
1: that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's just you, you got that feeling of community.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, but it was that. It was like people hung out with each other. There are friendships that formed. And when the show ended, it kind of fractured in 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 a way that um, I don't think has been healed yet. I feel like there could be some healing involved. Because the um, show, through, the, through, this, through this film, so we'll see. Because the show
1: feels so ahead of its time, because, like, thinking back on it now, the show really is a collection of very YouTubable clips. So I feel like it would yes. do so well now.
2: Yeah, well, what, that's what's weird is is that the show was a success. I mm-hmm. mean, a million viewers. For I mean, <clears throat> it's it's crazy the viewers. So here it is, uh, uh, a show so in touch with the zeitgeist. It was ahead of its time. It was a successful show, and the network couldn't figure it out. I don't think that the the, the upper upper level executives understood it. It was so ahead of its time and now influenced this whole generation. Now nerd culture is just accepted as something that it's, it's a, you know, I mean, hey, you're in the sports, you're in the nerd stuff. Like I know what that person is, but it's not a person that is a weirdo anymore. It's just someone who, you know, no different than someone who likes the Patriots. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just a whatever. Passionate Although, I don't know. It's a passionate fan. Although Patriots fans, let's be honest, they can be jerks. So, uh, you know, all right. I, I mean, it. I'm, I'm I by lie. Philly,
1: so that's that makes me very happy uh, to hear.
2: I, I love Philly. I love Philly. Uh, one of my closest friends is a big Philly fan, so I always root for Philly. I always root for Philly when Detroit, the Detroit Lions aren't in it, which is awesome. So, there <laughs> you go. I mean, NFC, uh, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, like, yeah, I'm a Detroit Lions fan, and um, we have a saying, it's not over till we lose. So <laughs>
1: then it's over
2: yeah then it's over right so yeah. Detroit I mean they can be up by three touchdowns and I'm going come on Detroit you, Well, you can lose this you can lose this <laughs> so, and they'll lose it Yeah, will lose it up by three touchdowns
1: the, they've truly right. become they, the new Eagles <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah exactly well Eagles have been in the big game you know uh, Detroit's never been to the Super Bowl I
3: wow mean, really you know
2: no, never been to the Super Bowl. Uh, it was the NFC Conference Championship. I was at 92, beaten by Troy Aikman, leading the Dallas Cowboys. Not no. that I remember it exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Um Yeah, but this is also a thing. Like, look, I'm a nerd. I'm a super nerd. I'm also a sports fan. But right. I recognize that there are lessons in sports that I'm always missed. You know, there's no, I'm, you know, I just feel like when you're on a team, you're on the team. There's, you're not you're not like well, over defining yourself into into a category that separates you from your other teammates. You're just on the same team and i and I, I, I feel like we've lost that, which has created an uncivil de- environment of debate on the internet that I think at least we'll, I can get people to think about that if this documentary can get made and tap into remember when we didn't treat each other this way on the internet mm-hmm. when we laughed together. But so we had a civil debate where we just disagreed, and that was cool. It, it was, it was, um, I don't know, it was a different time. And, you know, in going through footage and looking at old episodes and going through footage that I personally shot and looking through photos, all these memories, it's like, that was a happier time.
3: Mm-hmm. We are
2: not in a happier time in the way that we use the internet and how the internet is exposing and. Taking people down in a way that they may or may not deserve. So yeah. um, I think in some cases, deserve. Let's be fair. Yeah, yeah. People, but... when, when, when crimes are committed, <laughs> that is a deserved kickdown. When Absolutely. Someone tells a, when someone tells a bad joke, that is not deserving of being fired. Yes. You know, it's kind of it's kind of Absolutely. So, I mean, as a stand-up
1: um, comedian. I say a bad joke yes. basically every day. So I'm glad I've never been fired.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, I look at it like, hey, did we forget about Lenny Bruce? I mean, I'm sure you yeah. have, but <laughs> Lenny Bruce, who was arrested for telling bad jokes. I mean, mm-hmm. That's horrifying. Yeah. That's horrifying to me. And I think that we're, while people are not being arrested, careers are being destroyed over. Things that were posted on Twitter. Yeah, it's it's we're, we're living in 1984. I, I told. a yeah. Time. She, she's a she's a big comedy fan. She's she's actually working on a documentary with me, uh, Jess Pino. Um, she's an editor. Uh, we worked together and created projects for years, and um, uh, she's livid about all of this. And I was having a discussion. I said, "Look," I said, "If this keeps going, why don't we just start?" you know, forget this movie. We'll just do a thing called uh, the Festival of Art, the Death of Art and Comedy Festival. Mm-hmm. So if we put together the Death of Art and Comedy Festival, where we just read tweets that got people fired. Ooh,
1: that sounds, yeah, that'd be great.
2: For, you could also probably so dig
1: through other people and get more people fired.
2: Yes, but, but I... I I, 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 this is a dangerous environment we live in now. I feel like that civil debate needs to return. Mm-hmm. I don't think that if we're looking to politicians to fix this, that's not going to happen. Um, you know, wherever you stand politically, whether you're a Trump supporter or anti Trump, the, the, the discourse is, is beyond the pale. It's, it's, it's now. This is not how we should be discussing things, whether it's the last Jedi or trade and tariffs. I mean, come on! You know, <laughs> I was always like a politically middle of the road guy, where it's just like, well, whichever group has the best idea, let's go with that. Yeah. Um, but now, uh, you know, it's it's beyond. So, so I hope that this documentary, you know, that will will um, emphasize that period also talk about the generation was inspired to be creative themselves, and and you're a part of that group. I mean, you aspired to work on the show, and now you're doing your own show, and you do stand-up. I mean, maybe you would not have chosen that path if you didn't see how easy it looks, because I tell everyone who does it, it's easy. I can teach you to be a a TV host in about five minutes. (laughs) You ready? Yeah. How about I'll do it in under 60 seconds? So um, you need to learn to walk up to a piece of tape and stop on the piece of tape. Okay. Very important to make your mark. So put a piece of tape on the floor and practice walking up to that piece of tape and stopping. That's number one. Number two, look at a screen where there are words and read them, but pretend you're not reading them. Just act like you're having a conversation. (laughs) And so the words you're reading are like, oh, you're reading these words, but you're not actually reading. You're actually talking to someone, so you're just, when you're looking into the camera and you're saying those words, pretend you're actually speaking to a person. Um, I can't think of much else. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But if you can do those two things, you can be a television host.
1: Well, all right. Well, um, I wrote them down, you know, so. Write it down.
2: It's not that, not that hard. So, <laughs> yeah, but see, but see, that's a good thing. It's a good thing now. It's inspired this generation now to come on and talk about their passions whether it's you know makeup demos on, on youtube or whether it's talking about a movie or a video game or whatever like like you know uh, I, I i see that there's a whole very media savvy young generation that isn't afraid to get in front of a camera and talk and i remember when i first started doing tv how scared i was i didn't want to be on tv i was a behind the scenes guy i was a writer right. i didn't want to be on television you know um, and, you know, I I, I didn't, I have no aspirations to do it. I didn't, and I didn't like it when I was doing it, you know, right. um, because it just wasn't what I really wanted to do. I want to produce and make things. I don't want to be the thing. I don't want it to be about me. That's, let's have it be about someone else, someone Gosh. much better, much better looking. <laughs> There's so many, so many more better looking people than me who should be on television or on YouTube. So, and uh, yeah, so, so there you
1: go. Well, Chris, thank you so much for coming on. I know you're very busy, and I don't want to keep you for too long. But before I let you go, I have to ask, any good DVDs I should be picking up?
2: Yes. Uh, okay, I do have a DVD recommendation, which is Isle of Dogs. Oh, really? It's, yeah, Wes Anderson. The movie kind of got, like, mixed reviews, I think, because people didn't understand it. But Isle of Dawn, um is a stop-motion animated film. Um, made by Wes Anderson, that is, he did a fantastic Mr. Fox. It's brilliant. It's set in Japan. It's about dogs. He doesn't love a cute dog.
3: Um,
2: <laughs> I'm more of a, I'm more I'm a cat person, and I love this movie. So, um, and the DVD is chock full of extras, including interviews with the stop motion puppets out of character. If that makes sense, as if they're like, oh, I'm starring in this, and it's a voice. Jeff Goldblum does a voice. Bill Murray, uh, Brian Cranston, uh, it's, it's Edward Norton. It's great. It's it's a movie that kind of like came and went when it when it was in, in theaters, but the DVD is out. I think. I, and the see here's the thing. Let me let you in you in a little secret. When I said bye on Attack to the Show, I actually bought the DVD. <laughs> I had, because they would never give me the DVDs because it's like well, we have to keep it as a library copy we can't give you a copy of our DVD it's, it's a library copy oh. sorry <laughs> So when I said bye, I was actually going out and buying the DVD <laughs> <laughs>
1: this movie's so good that it cost me money
2: it did well so, so I feel like you know what that's fine because I think that that um, gave me perhaps more thread but every time I did the show, I'd look on Twitter, and there are people hating on my opinion, and there are people agreeing with me. <laughs> um, it was miserable to the point where I, I couldn't look. But, um, yeah, I legit bought those DVDs, and I I did buy it. For, uh, for it's a buy. Guy. Um, yeah, but I hope I hope that people support the project. If you're a fan of Attack of the Show, remember it, grew up with it, um, you can just go to Kickstarter and look up Attack of the Duck. Do- there's also a Twitter, at Attack of the Doc, on Twitter. There's a Facebook page and Instagram. On Instagram, we're going to start posting videos um, and okay. rail videos and, and photographs. Um, so that's a lot of fun. So um, I really just hope to rally everyone who loved Attack of the Show to support the Doc. Um, listen to the podcast over the course of the next year. If, fingers crossed, if all goes well, the podcast will launch in October. Okay, it'll be a year of those, and then the movie will be out uh about six months after a year. I'm guessing about just I have a whole production plan for this, so um so there you go i'm i'm and I appreciate you having me on your show. No, uh, it's it's uh, been an honor. I'm really glad you reached out to me. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you
1: so much for coming on. It means a lot to me. G4 meant a lot to me. And I wish you the absolute best in this project.
0: So that's going to do it for my interview with Chris Gore. Thanks again to Chris Gore for taking time out of his busy day to talk to little old me. Be sure to check out his Kickstarter and support Attack of the Doc. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. And as always, be sure to give us five stars on iTunes, five stars on Stitcher, vote for us on podcastland.com, make us the podcast of the month. If you're watching slash listening to this on YouTube, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. I'd love to hear what you think about this new documentary. And also be sure to tune in next week. Next week trailer for Stay Doomed. It's going to be great. This is the Plus Two Comedy Podcast. Thank you so much.